Happy Monday. <laughs> I shudder to think about it. Three Mondays until Christmas. But here we are. I have a lot to do and a little time to do it in. So these next few episodes will be on the shorter side. It was either that or fall apart altogether. I thought that this week, though, it would be fun to delve into fashion well, into holidays fashion past, let's put it that way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this stylish episode of Beauty Reform School. Oh, hi. You stumbled across Beauty Reform School, the podcast that explores beauty, style, reinvention, self-care, all from the perspective of the outside looking in. We pick apart the classics so you can confidently break the mold. And I'm your host, Bad Bad PJ Brown, the artist, the educator, the retail grunt, the problem child, the one who's done it the hard way for decades. And now I'm passing the savings on to you. So bring me your tired, your confused, your weirdos, your others yearning to breathe free. And if this sounds like you, grab your pen and grab your scratch pad and let's figure this crap out together right here at Beauty Reform School. All right, we have some tacks we'd like to brass. This week, my resources are Sequoia Media, I believe, um, ApparelTextilesourcing.com, BBC.com, and HuffPost.com. So, let's get into it. I wanted to kick things off with a great article I actually got from a high school website. It was well written and informative. And aside from that, I really appreciate the hard work they did. So I wanted to read some of it for you. Special shout out to Lauren Bluthert and Jessica Lamberty. I hope I pronounced your names right, ladies. So in the 20s, it was the jazz age of the quote-unquote roaring 20s that have led to abundances of polished styles that set base for new trends that have made the ultimate comeback in modern-day fashion. From golden black to long, sleek fur coats, many women and men throughout the 20s have shown their fashion statements during the holidays with grace, elegance, and extravagant hats. Ah. The 20s helped lead decades of sophisticated style. Yes, it did. Now, I'm not going to get into too many politics right now because we are just simply lavishing in the fashion, everyone. On to the 30s. The 30s felt the full onset of the Great Depression. Women were limited in personal expression, but allowed themselves to enjoy elegant fur coats ideal for the holiday season. Knitted skirts accentuated the feminine curve in contrast from the 20s. A new sweater was considered the perfect gift for a 1930s man with popular styles of black velvet fabrics. Now I'm gonna point out that yes, even people 
who were suffering from the depression did wear fur from time to time, especially during the holidays and in special events. And you might wonder how? Well, I'll tell you before the depression hit, furs were given as gifts. And I will say this because this is true for myself as well. I still have a lot of pieces that are at least 10 and 20 years old, maybe older, I haven't checked. But my point is, in the age of fast fashion, as we have now, a lot of people who cherish older pieces tend to take care of them, maintain them, and wait for it, actually get things repaired. Artisan weavers were a thing back then. If your pants were thinning or if something was wearing out, if you got a hole or something like that, you would take it to a weaver and have it repaired. You wouldn't just toss it out. And that is so against fast fashion nowadays. But even me with fast fashion, I still get my fast fashion <laughs> repaired. If I got something um, from one of those uh, common stores uh, if I liked the piece, I definitely will repair it. Or sometimes I will even turn it into something else if I've had it for a really long time and it's just falling apart. But there's a part of it that I just really don't want to get rid of. I will cut it and patch it into something else because, you know, why not? I think that things get thrown away way too fast anyway nowadays. People, things, you got, you get the idea. So... Definitely in the 30s, though, uh, people couldn't afford to just throw clothing away like that. They passed them down from generation to generation. Lots of siblings got their older siblings' clothes. Um, some people still do that today, but um, I don't know how frequent it is nowadays. I know that people who are in a lower income bracket, we've always grown up that way, um, but I don't know how common it is for the quote-unquote everyday person or someone who is middle class or upper class. I don't know how it works for them, but yeah, that's the thing. So, on to the 40s. All right, let's see. Okay, the effect that World War II had on the states became a common theme in the holiday season. Women represented their new voices and ability to take new roles in society with the classic paperboy paper haircuts. Men preferred trench coats, scarves, sport coats, and tailored two-piece suits. Outfits were not clingy or form-fitting, and sweaters and skirts often matched. Hats were popular among both genders. Yes, ugh. Just all hail hats, right? I'm just saying. Anyways, in the 50s, the 50s rejuvenated a new vibe of tight, accentuated waists. Vibrant, stiff-shouldered sport jackets were also popular among men, whereas the highly recalled greasers wore loose clothing and leather jackets, epitomizing the jock rebel look. In the 60s, Welcome to the 60s, a classic quote from the well-known musical Hairspray, which featured the hit trends of that decade, including retro bear hug coats that were a prominent staple in a woman's life. Men sported button-up wool sweaters with pastel cardigans, making sure to achieve the slicked back style. Ah yes, pastels. I mean, 
pastels have always been around and some people adore pastels and i know that um this in the 60s pastels were a big deal they did make a, a comeback in the 80s during the um the preppy phase um when izod was king and that whole style um that is completely the polar opposite of like the bright colors and the prints the graphic prints of the 80s but for a certain group the pastels the uh golf shirt the cardigan this sweater around the shoulders yeah yeah pastels played a large role in that <laughs> uh and now we reach the 70s which you know has a special place in my heart um the 70s took on an entirely new look never seen before in history with their flowers and peace symbols Articles like the bohemian style dress and the flared bell-bottom jeans came to life. Now, I will point out that during the 60s, during the mod era, the flowers did make their debut. Um, but then they became, they changed, they transformed in the 70s. Um, not so paper cut, um, not so neat. Uh, it just became a lot more loose, just like the time. And I wanted to point out that uh, the term bohemian was originally a term with um, pejorative undertones given to Roma. I'm not going to use the word because it's also, um, I, you know, I understand that that word, the G word is not common, is not appreciated. So we won't use it here. Um, but the Roma people, I'll say. It's commonly believed by the French to have originated in Bohemia in Central Europe. The Oxford English Dictionary's definition means someone, especially an artist, literary man or actor who leads a free vagabond or irregular life, not being particular as to the society he frequents and despising conventionalities generally. Wow. So I can see how this would be an issue because, yeah, that kind of defines uh, everything I hold dear. So, yeah. And it's not just for men, everybody. But, you know, this was written quite a while ago, so they had a long way to go, as do we. So, in Puccini's opera La Boheme, the poet Rodolfo and his friends do not shiver in their Parisian garret where Mimi's hand is famously frozen merely because of their poverty. Theirs, as Rodolfo has it, is a higher, if more sensual, calling. I am a poet. What is my employment? Writing. Is that a living? Hardly. I've wit through wealth be wanting. Ladies of rank and fashion all inspire me with passion in dreams and fond illusions or castles in the air. Richer is none on earth than I. <laughs> Everyone has a view of what the Bohemian is, says Nicholson. The Bohemian is an outsider, defines themselves as an outsider, and is defined by the world as an outsider. A lot of people regard them as subversive, elitist, and possibly just a little bit immature. Fair. Bohemians were typically urban, liberal in outlook, but with few visible political passions and above all, creative. 
through, though critical of organized religion, they were keen, witnessed the pre-Raphaelites and Oscar Wilde to defend and explore the religious spirit. The late Ian Dury lived what could be considered a bohemian life, constantly on the move, awash with musical and artistic creativity, challenging preconceptions of disability while costumed in a range of sometimes outlandish secondhand clothes, famously complemented with new boots and panties. I mean, this this hits me in my soul. It really, really does. I mean, and it makes all the, all the sense in the world. One of the biggest memories I have personally growing up in the 70s was that thrifting was a big deal for me and my mom. Whenever it was time to go clothing shopping, that, that was our first stop. I would go on the hunt and my mom would usually give me an amount of money that I was allowed to spend and we would figure out if we saw something that was fabulous and went over that amount. But that was rare. The prices were usually good Nowadays, thrifting is not about thrifting at all as far as I'm concerned. The prices are just about the same as in a regular store, and that is a shame. When I went to school, I remembered someone asking me where I got a jacket I really loved from, and I innocently said, oh, the Salvation Army, which led to shrieks and hoops and hollers, and I was laughed at and ridiculed. I was shocked was confused and then I was embarrassed and when I told my mother about it she told me not to worry about it she said that while what I did might be considered unusual by my classmates I could always take comfort in the fact that I was unique nothing was noble in being like everybody else and that stuck with me for the rest of my life so thanks mom All right, from blazers to high-waisted, short skirts, the 70s incorporated a little bit of everything into their attire. Intricate, but not always matching, patterns embellished, many of the outfits worn, and men rocked the button-down collared shirt paired with bell-bottoms or sported a tight sweater. In the 80s, with changing technology came changing trends, men wore Shirts that exposed their chests and Hawaiian shirts over t-shirts took their walk of fame. Collared blazers were also popular among men. And for women, fashion shifted from flowers to flair with bold patterns, tight clothes, and intense eye makeup. Spandex was popularized by fitness models as well as off-the-shoulder tops. Hair was themed around the idea of go big or go home and was also often teased into bushy styles. Haha, <laughs> lass, the 90s. <laughs> In the 90s, kids redefined style. Primary colors take to the trends and denim leads the list. Jackets, jeans, knee-length skirts were just a few of many denim items in the 90s. Solid-colored sweaters and oversized tops were another addition to the 90s fashion. The denim phase was universal between men and women. However, men sported flannels more often than sweaters. In 2000, 
The new century means another fashion phase. Styles became short and tight. Crop tops off the shoulder tops, mini skirts and boot cut jeans became top choices. For men, baggy jeans became popular, but shirts ranged from sweaters to button downs and plain long shirts. And 2010 today, as for today's fashion, it's still continuing to grow. Ugly sweaters have become widespread investment of the American people. Junior, oh, Junior Jordan Delara loves the current sweater trends. My favorite Christmas sweater is green and has a bunch of nutcrackers on it. It is my favorite because I collect nutcrackers about seven last year. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Santa hats still remain a Christmas essential and skimpy Christmas costumes are still popular. From suits to snow pants, holiday attire has changed from decade to decade. It was a really great article, you ladies. That was good. Good job. All right. So now that we have taken a walk down memory lane, it's a good time for us to talk about some fashion trends and their origins. Once the pre-fall collections hit the runways, it is officially holiday in the fashion world. Stores stock up on party attire that entices shoppers both passing by and on the other side of a computer screen. From glitz and glam to the tackiest of sweaters, we dress ourselves in classic styles year after year without thought of where they came from. That being said, here's a brief history of holiday fashion and their unique origins. We're going to start off with sequins. Anything that sparkles in the uniform du jour for any New Year's Eve celebration, interestingly enough, sequins have a history that far outshines even the flashiest ensemble. In 1922, King Tut's tomb was discovered and inside his garments were adorned in gold-like discs. Yes. Who, what, where reports. Historians believe that they were meant to ensure his financial stability in the afterlife. Later, in the Victorian era, they became more mainstream as both men and women wore them to add flair to their holiday looks. They used to actually be made of gelatin and would melt off in the rain and the heat. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Luckily, they eventually made their way to the vinyl plastic we know today. Ruffles are associated with femininity and glamour. This makes them such a staple among the holiday parties. But in the 1500s Europe, you'd find yourself surrounded by both men and women wearing ruffles galore. In fact, a man invented the ruffle in Spain at that time. It was a unisex style and even soldiers, the mightiest of men, wore them as a part of their uniform. By the 19th century, it had become emasculating to wear ruffles and women took over the trend. The dress shirt is every man's go-to when it comes to anything when the dress code requires more than a casual tee or sports jersey. Women rock this look for holiday season with everything from pencil skirts to... What? to a less smoking suit look, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, what has become such a commonplace item for both sexes actually is a relatively new invention. The dress shirts were traced back to 1800s Britain. 
This is a product of the Victorian age and historians date it to the year 1837. They stated that this shirt was made for the regal gentlemen of Britain. All right. One does not have a successfully holiday season unless at least one ugly sweater is sweater party is attended. Well, this seems like a recent phenomenon and the first ugly sweater party supposedly took place in Vancouver, Canada at the beginning of the new millennium. Although there has been evidence found in showing that men and women's Christmas sweaters have been around since the 1950s, knitting patterns of snowy pines and other holiday motifs were found from that time. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that if you had a knitter in the family, you had an ugly sweater. You might not have taken it outside, but I think a lot of people finally started getting on that ugly sweater party trend so that they could start making use of some of those sweaters that were in their closet. All right. Ah, alas. High heels, the thing I can no longer wear but used to adore. Mm-mm-mm. R.I.P. Even the tallest of the tall and those who despise heels find themselves strutting around in this style shoe this time of year. High heels add length to the leg and more dressed up feel to any outfit. Truth. Although the birthplace... Wait. Although the birthplace of the heel is oh the birth, birthplace of the heel is traced back to the Middle East and were most definitely not used for the same purpose. The heel was actually created for men, particularly soldiers who fought on horseback. They acted as a riding shoe that would hook into the stirrup so that they could maintain balance and footing while shooting the enemy. That makes so much sense. Not exactly the most romantic of origins, true. From soldiers to elite British gentlemen and Spanish sartorial innovativeness, many of these trends were not created particularly for a season of celebration. And most of these looks we associate with women were actually created for men initially. Or they were unisex. In the end, knowledge is power and great cocktail party conversation. <laughs> All right. Now go blow everyone's mind with your newfound information. <laughs> okay. So now that the holiday season is upon us, we're filling, our calendars are filling up with gatherings, galas, get togethers. I don't know if the Zoom party has met its end or if we're still doing that. Uh, there is, you know, yet another variant coming out, and I'm sure there'll be another one not far behind. So I don't know what this means in the way of, you know, safely partying and fellowshipping with your friends and loved ones. I don't know what that means right now. But if you are still looking for a way to add some charm and style to your ensemble, here we go. Now, if you want to have a nod to some of those errors that we discussed, here we go. All right. If you wanted to revel in the golden era glam of the 1920s without having to revert to an overly costume-like fringy flapper dress, try a shimmery cocktail dress with nice beadwork and a longer hem. 
and you can add a layer of luxe with a shrug or a shawl and complete the look with a strappy mid-heel. You can bolster your sparkle factor with shiny button earrings and maybe do some romantic waves in your hair. In the 40s, if you wanted to do something, if you wanted to incorporate the 40s, let's see, we have uh, sophisticated streamlined silhouettes and demure details. So you could try a fitted dress with a pencil skirt. Maybe add a little contrast with an oversized cape. Ooh, a cape, yes, a cape, or a longer jacket. Patent leather pumps could pull it together and all that's left are some finishing touches like a some dainty gloves, perhaps a strand of pearls, or if you want to go, if you, wanna, if you really want to go for it, go get you a fascinator or dust the one off in your, in your closet that you've been scared to use. And the one that you said, I have nowhere to put, wear this. It's the holidays. You have somewhere to wear it now. All right. If you love the sixties and you want to give a nod to the sixties, you can do a nice swirl trapeze dress. Definitely up some pattern tights would be great and some knee-high boots. Um, you can do a little teasing of your hair. Um, you don't have to go full beehive unless that's your thing, but you can definitely tease it and give it a little bit more volume and then absolutely finish off the look with some dangled earrings. And if you have one, now it's time to pull out that swing coat. If you want to do something a little more 70s, a flouncy dress, preferably with some bell sleeves would be good. A nice long pendant necklace would be good. Uh, and pointed heels. Although I'm gonna say, this is speaking just from somebody who can't wear heels like that anymore and understands that everybody doesn't necessarily have the feet or the ability to pull these kind of shoes off. You don't have to necessarily do pointed heels because I know that they hurt. Um, but that pointed heels were the thing of the 70s. But um, whatever's comfortable for you. But you can add some braids to your hair or you can just do... Um, my POCs, if you don't normally do uh, your natural hair, you can do that. That would be amazing. Um, all right. And I wanted to send a shout out to Mod Cloth for giving us so many good suggestions and recommendations. And if you hear that dog in the background, I can't do anything about it. That's what happens when you live in a city neighborhood. And the dog doesn't like it. And he cries in the backyard because they tie him. They leave him out there. And I'm sure it's cold. Anyway. So, yeah. I think that's a good list. I think we're good to go. I can't wait to hear how you did. And I, I hope, I hope you send me some pictures. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It was fun taking a walk down memory lane. And it also, unfortunately, really made me want to shop. But bear in mind, 
you don't have to run off and buy things especially if you don't have the money for them but it doesn't hurt to now that you know the shapes and the styles you can go through your wardrobe and see what you have because most of the time I assure you you do have something that you can build on Good luck with your holiday shopping and your holiday planning and try not to get too overwhelmed. One step at a time, 10 minute increments. That's all you have to do. And every time you feel intensely overwhelmed, take a moment, breathe in and out and give yourself a break. Be easy on yourself. This is not the time of excess. This is the time of survival and healing and trying to just love on yourself and each other. We have so much to do with this world and what we're going through right now. Don't add extra. And if you have people in your life that are trying to force you to return to normal, quote unquote, and that's not for you. I hereby give you permission to not participate. It's fine. You can do things small, one little piece at a time, and mostly safely. So, as always though, even though it's the end of the year, I am already trying to prepare for the new year coming up for the podcast. I am on the hunt. I know this is a busy time. I know that everybody is wrapped up in getting ready for the new year and holiday plans and family and friends. That's all great. Um, When you have an opportunity, if there's someone you think I'd like to talk to, please send them to me. Uh, If you have, if you want to have a chat with me, do that, please. If you are a small business owner, especially to the front, people of color to the front, You know, I always uh, want to shine a light on you. If you're not a person of color, though, don't be discouraged. You can write me, too. I would love to talk to you about your business. Um, Let's just all share. We're building this community one brick at a time, and I'm here for it, and I love hearing your stories. I love talking to you. I love gaining inspiration because you're all wonderful, and you're all worth it. And if it wasn't for all of you, we wouldn't be on our third season, yeah, of Beauty Reform School. We wouldn't be here already. And here we are. So thank you for that. If you need to know how to reach out, you can do it in one of three ways. You can even you can either write to us at Instagram, Beauty Reform School, or Facebook at Beauty Reform School, or you can go directly to the source at Beauty Reform School. And thank you so much for your listenership. And thank you in advance for your listenership in the future. And pencils down. Class is dismissed. And I'll see you next week.